Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey everybody, welcome to the bullpen. I am Les Vogler, joined by my brother Lauren Vogler. We are owners of Vogler Seaman Center and Nebraska Bull Service and Vogler Cattle Company. Today we're doing an episode uh, talking about uh, the new technology that's going to be going on out in Nebraska Bull Service, our IVF department. And today we're joined by Dr. Chantel Cruz. She is basically in charge of the IVF systems up at Bovatech, been a friend of mine and, and the family for years. And then Dr. Don Coover, doctor of veterinary medicine. He is the president and owner of SEK Genetics in Kansas and has one of the largest and most diverse semen inventories of beef cattle in the United States. And also uh, by Dr. Clem Neely, doctor of veterinary medicine. He works with SEK and he will be the one that actually pulling the oocytes out at our facility in McCook. What we're going to do here is we're going to talk about all things uh, related to bull stud, embryo, semen, farm life, ranch life, uh, once in a while Husker football. I'm not so sure about your Wildcats down there in uh, K-State. But uh, with us today, we have Dr. Chantel Cruz and Dr. Don Coover and uh, his partner, Clem. Uh, we're going to talk about some exciting news that's going to be happening uh, with the Vogler operation and Nebraska Bull Service here in Nebraska. Uh we're going to be starting an IVF satellite system with Bovatech and with SEK. And uh, right now I'm going to turn it over to uh, Dr. Cruz and let her give us a little uh, insight on, on Bovatech. Sure. So um, my history with the Vogler brothers goes way back. Um, I remember even before when I was in college visiting um, their stud when we were in our repro classes there um, and when I was wrapping up my PhD we had kind of talked about doing something together about five years ago and at the time nobody was really freezing um, embryos very efficiently and I told them that that would probably not be a great idea with the beef market um, and then about two weeks later, I started at Bovatech and I sat down at the microscope and they were the most beautiful embryos I had ever seen. And sure enough, Bovatech had kind of already capitalized on that freezing technology and making a better embryo um, that a lot of the industry wasn't aware of yet. So um, it's kind of interesting to have come full circle, having known these guys a big part of my life to be able to I mean, from the time I was a kid, I knew them and looked up to what they did. So to be able to work with them as business partners is really exciting for me. Um, just to give you a little history about Bovatech, so we started just as a um, repro center in Quebec in 86, mostly flushing cows. And then in the mid-90s, we started doing IVF. Um, mostly experimentally and on uh, cows that were terminal. And then 
once they were able to get the media right so that we could ship oocytes and embryos um, and be able to freeze embryos well is when they really started um, working more with satellite centers. So our first full year in business was in 2014 in the U.S. and um, we've just expanded by adding satellites uh, throughout the U.S. and really excited to finally have one in Nebraska. Um, and just to let you know from the IVF perspective kind of why it's advantageous over conventional flushing, um, the biggest advantage is that you can do it every two weeks. So um, instead of working elite donors every six or eight weeks, you can get more embryos out of them in a finite period of time. You can also work with really young donors, so prior to puberty, and you can work with um, pregnant donors. And the other thing is, um, I know uh, Les and Lauren sell semen, so they don't uh, necessarily want to hear this one, but uh, <laughs> really expensive semen we can use over um, multiple donors, um, so you can make very valuable use of, uh, of high-dollar semen, and then you can also um, use reverse sort. So any bull that's been collected conventionally ever, we can go back and sort it for the sex that you want. So if you want heifers or bulls, we can put that through the machine and sort it. And we've actually done that with semen as old as stuff that was collected in ampules in the 50s. So you really can kind of do it with any any bull that's been collected conventionally. So those are the major advantages. And then with the freezing technology that Bovatech um, has been able to develop and really uh, that translates well for doing direct transfers. And that's kind of what got us over the hump of really being able to do IVF more on a, um, uh, throughout North America, being able to do it more widespread. So, yeah. so let me jump in here just a second, Chantel. So, yeah. um, just to get this clear, so we're your first ones in Nebraska, right? Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. So, yeah. and uh, and actually, uh, we, we have Dr. Don uh, Coover with SEK linked in with us, and actually, he's the one that sells the semen. We collect it. So, just to make, <laughs> we're not we're we're just collecting it and Don selling it. But yeah, it, uh, the whole IVF thing, yeah, it does uh, cut down the numbers, but it increases in our business as far as collection. But it's all good. So, Don, do you have anything? I would say that um, this in vitro technology is expensive. People need to look at it carefully on an economic footing to see if they can afford to do it and do it well. Um, the big advantage to it for a lot of producers is going to be that you can, and it makes it more economical, if you can pool donors to a single bull and then take advantage of the of the price breaks that Bovitech can give us to run those cycles on several cows at the same time, there's some advantages to that, significant advantages and cost if you're mating them to the same bull. It also makes things like sexing for gender-specific embryos much more uh, economical and the disadvantage is you have to when the calves show up you end up having to uh, parent verify those back to the cow you know the bull of course the parent verify back to the cow yeah so if you if, if you pool the the cows together yes and it makes it a lot more economical to produce embryos that way sometimes um Dr. Clem Neely, the guy sitting over my shoulder, he's the guy that does the heavy lifting down here. Mm -hmm. So he's actually the person that does the aspiration, but he's pretty good at it and getting a lot better. He's pretty good at it. But I would tell people that this is the technology I think that's 
coming down the road is going to be a lot more significant in the future than it has been in the past because the costs are coming down and the technology is getting better. It's just another advanced reproductive technology, really. Right, exactly. And Chantel, can you can I mean, as far as uh, the age on some of these animals, how how soon can we get started on some of these? Yeah, so I would say on beef donors, we've done them as young as nine and ten months old. Um, on the Holstein side, because they're chasing genomics, they'll even be more aggressive. Um, so our internal programming creating uh, bulls for CMX were even more aggressive than that nine ten month mark. And on the beef side, the most, uh, I guess, the biggest application we see of that is typically if guys have a, a heifer sale, um, they're going ahead and collecting sometimes those heifers before they sell them so that they get the opportunity to use those genetics in their own herd before they sell those heifers. So that's kind of where we're seeing that right. applied on the beef side. Yeah, exactly. And then one of the other things uh, about IVF is uh, people like choices. So since you are going to be, or we're going to be, the first Bovitech center in Nebraska, it's pretty cool because we're actually giving people a choice. Sure. Nothing against the other folks doing it, but uh, ranchers, cattle producers, you know, they like to have a choice. Uh, and what, what, in, what, uh, what makes Bovitech a step or two above everybody else? Sure, absolutely. So we definitely believe in... Um, specializing everything, optimizing every opportunity. So on the donor side of things, um, we'll kind of start with the standard protocol and we'll look to see how she performed. Um, we'll look at a, I won't get into all the details on that, but we'll look kind of across the board on all the data that Dr. Neely will collect when he's shoot side aspirating those donors. Um, then we'll take that data once they get to the lab and we'll look at that and we'll see can we tweak her shot schedule to make sure that she makes more embryo more embryos more oocytes and better quality oocytes so that's one thing so we treat each donor differently um then on the bull side of things if there's a bull that we haven't used before we can actually test that semen on slaughterhouse oocytes and so we can test a bull in a variety of fertilization conditions and then cherry pick the conditions that work best for that bull. Um, so we don't just blanket treat all the bulls the same. We really try to look and figure out where they're optimized. And like I said, we like to do that on um, oocytes from an abattoir so that we're not um, using your donor's oocytes as the experiment, right? We want to do that on <laughs> material that's of you know little value to us. So those two aspects, and then kind of the third big one is our culture media that we've created. So most um, most labs just do a single step culture media, but we actually have three steps, um, and it's designed to mimic the oviduct, the early uterus, and the mid uterus. So really closely match um, each stage of development for that developing embryo. Um, and then kind of the last component of that, because our media more closely matches what the cow is doing, we're able to create an embryo that looks more like an in vivo embryo rather than an in vitro embryo. And because of that, they're more likely to survive freezing. So our, our freezing process nets um, better pregnancy rates on those frozen embryos as well. Right, exactly. So, uh, Dr. Clem, I mean, you've been with, uh, how long have you been with, uh, with Dr. Don Coover at SEK? I've been here for five years, uh, and I graduated vet school six years ago. So, are you a K, are you a K State or two? 
Yep, yep. Uh, so, there, uh, there we go. That's all right. <laughs> we'll, well, we'll we'll give you some Husker Husker caps when you come to McCook. So no, not a problem. <laughs> I wouldn't expect any being in Nebraska. In you're you're going to see a lot of red. So it's, and um, we've been partnered with Bovatech for the uh, last two years. Um, at the you know at the beginning of that partnership, we went and. Uh, uh, did some training uh, in Quebec at St. Hyacinth at their facility up there, and, and so we've uh, you know slowly been doing uh, a little bit more all the time. And one thing I guess, kind of echoing off of what Chantel said in terms of the advantages of Bovatech that we've really seen uh, is going to be the pregnancy rates on your frozen embryos. I mean, we've we've had put in uh, embryos. Uh, IVF embryos from various different companies, and that's one thing that I can, uh, at preg check time, you know, it, you feel a lot more confident when you're when you're checking those Bovatech IVF embryos, and just kind of echoing yep. off of that. Yep, I totally agree with that because we we have uh, another good friend of us here close uh, close to us that puts a lot of uh, frozen uh, IVF eggs in. Uh, and he'll see him come from certain places, and he may make a comment or something. And he goes, "Oh, that's a Bovatech one. We'll put that one in. This other one we might just—I uh, won't say what he says—but uh, he's very, very confident with the Bovatech embryos, and uh, that's why I want to commend Chantel and Bovatech just for—I mean, it's quality. I mean, it's because it is—it gets a little pricey, uh, but the amount that you can put out in a short amount of time, and you can start those. You, you really don't want to do conventional flushes on yearling heifers. You know, you can, but you create a risk of them not, you know, not breeding back. And with the IVF, IVF what's, what's your thoughts on the safety of that doing virgin heifers, Chantel? Yeah, so um, the way that we set animals up, so on virgin heifers, especially pre prepubertal, a lot of the reasons why um, they might not respond in other systems is because of lack of progesterone. So we actually go ahead and put a cedar in those young animals to give them a progesterone that they might lack. Um, and because we do that before Dr. Neely goes in and does aspirations, he actually goes in and uses a disinfectant and then a saline rinse to kind of clear everything out to ensure that we're not going to drag anything in when we go into those follicles um, and then especially if they're kept in a two-week rotation then they're going to be checked again after with ultrasound to monitor to ensure that there's nothing going on um, I would say as far as there's always you know anything when we're entering the peritoneum there's always going to be a risk um, but I would say confidently um, in our internal program our rate of incident is less than one in a thousand is what we've seen awesome. so it's it's pretty safe. Okay, that's great. What I mean, when we talked before, uh, I mean, IVF is not just a cattle thing. How I mean, uh, how old is the oldest uh, so-called test tube baby right now? Yeah, so uh, Louise Brown is she turned forty-one in July. So I always kind of joke about that. Less you've probably heard that my story on that before, but I ride on a lot of airplanes for work and I've probably been told four or five times once people ask me what I do oh that'd be a shame if they started doing that in yeah, humans yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly and I 
laugh because the uh, yeah the oldest uh, IVF baby is about uh, nine years older than I am. So that yeah, is, they've been yeah, there you go. Doing that so, for a while. <laughs> yeah. Technology, it's great, and 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 quite yeah. honestly, uh, with the with the ag population shrinking and the f- demand for food going up the better job that we can do as producers are in in the cattle or livestock industry to get a high quality product out there you know and keep uh, let's face it here in the united states we got the lowest food cost anywhere so i think this is really gonna you know help expand people's genomics quicker their herd quicker and everything just a lot of positives to- towards it so so clem uh we look forward to seeing you up in Nebraska. Uh, we're going to open the start letting cows in the first September out in McCook. Uh, everybody's pretty excited. The phone's been ringing a lot, so uh, we're really excited for you and Don to come up again. And uh, it looks to me like you probably wear about a medium size Husker shirt. Uh, <laughs> so I got that. We'll get that on order. So uh, you have anything else to add to this, Chantel? Uh, just I'm excited to I think it's kind of three uh, well-respected groups all coming together that really kind of want the best for these cattlemen and being able to service uh, West Central Nebraska is really exciting like I said I'm a Nebraska girl like Clem knows bleed Husker red and so I'm really excited to uh, start our first uh, satellite there in Nebraska no it's it's super exciting Yep, and I guess uh, before I mean we we'll keep going here, but I, and I I admitted uh, my brother Lauren, the partner in the bullpen here, uh, has been sitting over here. Do you have anything to add to the conversation? Um, well, not too much. I, I guess maybe th- this might be either Chantel or or Don or Clem. Any of you could answer. Um, I know a big thing that we always have with bulls that come into the stud uh, is kind of what kind of condition do those animals need to be in. Um, yeah, and I, I know from our aspect, you know, we're all just due to the timing of the year, uh, we get a lot of bulls in that have been in in the spring, that have been to a lot of shows. Uh, and obviously, in order to get ready for those shows, those animals need to be uh, in top condition uh, and some maybe a little bit over condition. Yeah, they're fat. Um, yeah, they're fat. <laughs> I was trying to be a little more PC yeah. about saying no. it, but uh, um, can can you guys maybe kind of uh, give a few pointers on how you like to see some of these cows come in, uh, so we can kind of have the best luck with pulling those oocytes and that, and that sort of a thing. I think that if you've got a cow that's all screwed up to start with, IBS is going to heal anything. Or, yeah, so it's not need- going to be the miracle. Yeah. No. You're not going to turn, what's that, what's that expression? You can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Having said that, IVF has a real place for those animals that don't respond well or won't respond at all for a variety of reasons to conventional ET. So IVF really has a place there. But if you've got a cow that's in terrible physical condition and or either because she's way too fat or way too thin and she's not cycling and she's got some other issue, IVF may not solve that problem unlikely to solve that problem. But on the other hand, you will see some things like blocked oviducts where IVF is a very viable technique because the cow has a physical limitation that IVF can get around. So there's a place for IVF with some of these animals that don't respond well to conventional ET, but I think it's short-sighted to think you can take a cow that's completely screwed up and damn near dead. 
someplace and sprinkle the IVF holy water <laughs> off and have that back to shape, right. it won't happen. Yeah, and we've all seen people try to do that. I mean, yeah. just sometimes you got to put a put an end to it. But uh, it IVF definitely will take some of those cows that maybe uh, have been conventionally flushed too much and just won't work that way anymore. So you can still get uh, – and then just the sheer number of embryos that you can get every two weeks uh and get them and 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 the beauty about this is uh working with bovitech we all know the quality of the the frozen embryos we get so that's uh it's a good peace of mind because it's it's a lot of work to get those cows set up and to get everything done and the last thing you want to be doing just like when you're ai and cows we want to make sure we put out a good product in semen and i know don when you're selling semen you check it you want to make sure where you're selling is good and the same thing goes with Clem. When you put these embryos in, you want you want your customers. I mean, because if our customers aren't happy, there are none of us sitting around here talking about this. So, right. guys, just to circle back real quick, there, um, Lauren asked on condition. When we talk about the one to nine body condition score, we're looking for a six on cows. Um, just kind of like Don alluded to, if they're too fat or too thin, just trying to get those in a little bit better shape will improve um, the quality of all sites typically and the number of embryos that they'll yield. Um, and then just making sure that they're on a, an adequate vitamin and mineral program as well. So um, all those things we will work with uh the guys out at NBS to ensure that um, those things are on track for the donors that are going to be boarded there. So, yep. yeah, just to sound off that as well. I mean, in what we've done as far as working with donors, the ones that perform the best are the ones that are performing out in the pasture, the ones that breed back earlier, the ones you know that you know are in lactation, having a calf every year, a, a reproductively sound donor. Uh, or reproductively sound cow is typically going to be your sound donor yeah. and in terms of you know expecting results and we, and we know that there's high value animals out there that you know might be at the end of their prime and it, and it's worth trying to get every uh, calf out of them that you can or or attempt to and um, and you know it's just kind of trying to temper expectations is something that we try to work with our clients on um and then you know kind of you know not trying to you know expect to to work miracles on cows that right. might be out of their um is the, is the main thing but. exactly and going back to that i mean a lot of people like to talk averages what uh say we take a cow what i mean we go pull the oocytes out or say we get 30 oocytes okay so we're going to tell our customers okay we pulled 30 oocytes they're not hopefully going to expect 30 embryos out of that. What would you, what would you say, Chantel? <laughs> say we pulled 30 oocytes out of the, out of the cow by the time, uh, what's it take seven days through the process yeah. about how many frozen embryos will yep. we expect to get out of that? Yeah. So 30 oocytes would be a really good donor. Um, yep. and we typically see about 40% of those, oocytes will develop to embryos. Just to note there, so the U.S. average, uh, the American Embryo Transfer Association does stats every year, and the current U.S. average is 31% development. At Bobatech, we're averaging right at 40. Um, and so we would expect, a, if you made 30 oocytes, we would expect 12 embryos works out to be 40%. And then of those, we usually can freeze um, about 
85 to 90%, so probably 10 frozens, um, that would be that would be an exceptionally good donor though. So most donors start right. usually with 20 oocytes. Mm-hmm. And so keeping more in line with around that eight embryos, maybe seven frozen is probably a little bit more close and, to average. And the nice so. thing about Bovitech, you, you're, if correct me if I'm wrong, but you're only freezing number ones and twos, correct? So <laughs> we freeze uh, ones and then the very best twos. The very best um, twos. Okay. And I know that sounds kind of silly, no. but the way that the the standards are set up, so one is 85% and greater live cells. A two is 50 to 84. So that's a huge range. Yeah. And so that's why we don't freeze all of the twos. We tend to look at those embryos and freeze anything with 80% live cells are better. So that would include all the ones. And then, like I said, the very best twos, just kind of the cream of the crop on the twos. Okay, awesome. And then do you have anything to add to that, Don? Yeah, I would tell you that it's it's very short-sighted to go to trouble and expense to use a company like Bovitech, who really has a superior technology to make a bunch of embryos for cow and then stick them in a bunch of recips there that you aren't up to speed. Exactly. So right. you, everybody should look at this as something that's really a very um, a vertically integrated and related process. Not only do you have to have somebody that's got a good cow that's, that's ready to produce, that's in the right body condition score, five and a half to six, I'd say, anyway, and you got to get good embryos out of them, which means Bovitech has to do their part, and then when we get them back, whoever's sticking them in cows, needs to be smart enough to collect recepts <laughs> that have been tested, that are disease-free, that are healthy, that have a good productive history behind them, and $600 value embryos in cows that aren't worth $0.10, cents, yeah. then wondering why they're not getting good results. That's, why, that's why I like yeah. you, Don. You tell it like it is. Yeah. So. All right, that, that is something that I think probably very subtle. <laughs> that is probably something that a lot of people yeah, overlook because, is the uh, value of the recip cow. Well, exactly, because they'll get these embryos and put them in, and then no, it's it's uh, it's uh, Vogler's fault, it's Bovitex's fault, uh, it's never it's never the recip cow's fault. Well, uh, I think this is something. I mean, this is we've had a great conversation today. Uh, and I would love to get both of you back on again in the bullpen and talk about more of this once we get uh, once we get going. And uh, I think we definitely need to get more into the recip side of this uh, as we go down and, and more into that. Uh, but I think we've probably filled people with enough uh, BS from the bullpen for today to kind of get them get them started and get them interested. And uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to keep you pretty busy. I want to thank thank you, Chantel, and thank you, Don and Clem, and uh, we'll be seeing you in a, in a couple weeks. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Bullpen. And uh, for more information, go to our websites, Vogler Seaman Center or Nebraska Bowl Service. Thanks again. A Parkville Media Production.